The Dan Bongino Show. Get ready to hear the truth about America with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? You know it's always a pleasure to be here. It yep. is. Uh, very upset, though. Yep. Ronnie Jackson uh, yeah. rescinds his name, his nomination for cabinet secretary-level position at Veterans Affairs, Dr. Ronnie Jackson. Uh, for those of you listening to yesterday's show, you know I have a personal relationship with him, and it's just, uh, again, the human filth in the D.C. swamp seem to win over and over again. And, uh, folks, it's time to fight back. It really is. They should have stuck it out. Um, I know what Ronnie was doing. He was probably doing it for the for uh, you know to, to keep the heat off the Trump team, and mm-hmm. Ronnie's just that kind of guy. But this is just an absolute disgrace. Um, I'm going to get into that in a second. I got some other um, stuff carrying on from yesterday's show, uh, which, by the way, was our biggest show ever by far. Uh, We just blew it out yesterday. Thanks to you. So uh, thank Thank you you. very much. It means Mm -hmm. a lot. Thank you. Um, Today's show brought to you by buddies at Helix Sleep. Only the most comfortable mattress in the history of humankind. No, I'm serious. This stuff is amazing. There's nobody on the planet like you, so why would you buy a mattress built for everyone else? I mean, seriously, right? We customize things that matter. When it really matters, you're spending all that time on your mattress sleeping. It's important. Working with the world's leading sleep experts, Helix Sleep developed a mattress that's customized to your specific height weight, and sleep preferences so you can have the best sleep of your life at an unbeatable price. They're not kidding. Here's how it works, folks. Go to helixsleep.com and fill out their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll design your custom mattress so they can even customize each side for you and your partner. Each side. Think about that. In 2018, Helix Sleep has taken customized sleep to the next level with the Helix Pillow. I have one of these bad boys. It's amazing. The all-new pillows are fully adjustable so you can achieve perfect comfort regardless of sleep position or body type. Helix Sleep has thousands of five-star reviews that are well-earned, by the way. Plus, you get 100 nights to try these mattresses out. Go to uh, helixsleep.com slash Dan right now, and you'll get up to $125 towards your mattress order. That's helixsleep.com slash Dan right now, and you'll get up to $125 towards that mattress order. Helixsleep.com slash Dan. Helixsleep.com slash Dan. This mattress is incredible. You know, I could hear a timpani in that spot. Really? Was I like singing it? You know what it is? I love their mattresses and sleep. You know me. I don't sleep well. Real authoritative in front. So, yeah, yeah, if it wasn't for Helix Sleep, I would have a tough time presenting to you a coherent show show every day because I'm the worst sleeper ever. (laughs) So it matters to me. I mean, think about it. We spend all this. You know what's funny? We'll spend like, in some cases, my Raptor was expensive. You know, forty, fifty, seventy thousand dollars on a car. You're in what uh, twenty minutes a day? Yeah. You'll sleep on a mattress for eight hours. And you go with some junk. That's why <laughs> go with Helix Sleep. These guys are great. I love them. It's true, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> that was unprompted, by the way. I didn't, no. Joe's not messing around. He said, hey, let's plan this before the show. That was extemporaneous. Yes. Extemporaneous. There you go. Mm-hmm. I love that. That was one of my favorite words. Yeah. I'm a good extemporaneous debater. Okay. Ronnie Jackson withdraws. Folks, I, I, again, I don't want to do uh, the, the ranty thing yesterday again, but I'm, I'm just telling you, we have to start fighting back, okay? Ronnie was a good man. Ronnie is a medical doctor, and as I said on WMAL radio this morning in Washington, D.C., where I lit these people on fire who got Ronnie to step aside, who moved him aside on, on what I think to be baseless, uh, nonsensical, exaggerated allegations of, uh, of misconduct. No, because I know Ronnie. I've never heard anything like this. I worked with Ronnie for a long time. I've never heard of anyone complaining about Ronnie. I've never heard of anyone who's heard of anyone complaining about Ronnie. And I find it awfully ironic that President Obama's team gave Ronnie the highest marks they possibly could. And now yeah. all of a sudden when he's nominated by Trump, uh, he's he's subjected to full-fledged character assassination ninja style. It's disgusting. It's pathetic. It's grotesque. And a little message out there, which I put out on MAL this morning, Joe, and this I mean this from the bottom of my heart because I'm really upset about this. Mm-hmm. There was something embedded in the criticism of the Ronnie Jackson attacks, the disgusting, filthy character assassination of this good patriotic military officer and doctor. 
that really speaks to the growing culture divide in our country and worries me, Joe. One of the allegations against him was, oh, my gosh, you know, Ronnie prescribes sleeping pills and ProVigil. Yeah. ProVigil is basically a a medically prescribed pill that, you know, it gives you a sense of alertness when you're falling asleep. But it's I don't know what the official use is for narcolepsy or whatever. I'm not a doctor. It doesn't matter. Listen to the snowflakes out there. We live in the real freaking world, daddy-o, okay? In your little world on your college campus with your color forms, your safe spaces, you know, your ice cream machine, your cry rooms, your, I've been microaggressed. That isn't the real world. That's not the real world, pork chop. In the real world, in the military and the secret service, hard men and women go overseas to defend the life of the president in dangerous hot zones where there is a threat of, listen to me, the snowflakes, listen up, perk up. There's the threat of death, dismemberment, or serious physical injury to you, your team, the president of the United States, and everyone around them. It ain't college. There ain't color forms. There's no snow cone machine around. This is the real world. And in the real world, if you don't sleep one night and you have to keep the president alive and you can't keep your eyelids open because physiologically you're nine hours ahead of your time clock, then people die in the real world or people could get hurt. Do you understand that, snowflakes? Do you get what I'm telling you? You snow cone eating, hot cocoa, marshmallow bunch of losers. Do you get what I'm saying? In the real world, there are real consequences for not being ready to fight on a moment's notice. I know you don't understand this because you're used to being microaggressed. This is the cultural divide. I'm embarrassed for the country. Mm. Not for you, you hardened American patriots out there. But this is the point I tried to bring up the other day, Joe, on my show with that went nuclear the other day, too. Thank you to everyone, by the way. I'm not patting, I'm patting you on the back, not us. You're the ones listening. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. But I was trying to make the point to everyone out there, you truckers, electricians, Brazilian jiu-jitsu guys, CrossFitters, moms busting your asses every day, carrying five, six kids around like my... My, my my old nanny, Becky, who I'd love to death, whose husband's a special forces uh, soldier. You got to see what this woman does with her kids every day. You're hard. You're hard. You're hard. The left isn't ready for us. The attacks on Ronnie Jackson. Oh, my gosh. Sleeping pills. Provigil. From a bunch of kids snorting Tide Pods or whatever. I'm telling you, they are not ready for us. They are not ready. This has nothing to do with violence. The left, uh, uh, listen, Media Matters and the nut job, the psychopaths over there, they love violence. They worship Antifa, Black Lives Matter, these groups that have openly called for violence. Mm -hmm. They love that. Yeah. I'm telling you, there is a degree of soul-wrenching fortitude that only exists on the right. The snowflake crowd that can't possibly fathom how a White House doctor would have to keep military, Secret Service, and other people frosty in a hot zone to keep the president alive and would call him the candy man for distributing, he's a doctor, by the way, a drug so people could sleep so they could be ready to fight. That the snowflake crowd doesn't understand that should reinforce to you what I told you days ago. They are not ready for the fight. They are not ready for the fight ahead. People are going to be walking out of schools. People are going to be protesting. Remember, people showed up in D.C. at that rally years ago for the Tea Party. They're not ready for this. They think they are. They're not. They have no idea the mental and intestinal fortitude on the right. They have no idea. There is a reason the overwhelming majority of veterans I talk to are conservatives. Some are Democrats, but they're not. I find very few liberals. There are some, but very few. Yeah, me too. Cops. Yeah. Talk to cops. Overwhelming majority are conservatives because they're hard. They're ready for the fights ahead. They understand the world isn't pretty. 
The world's a place that's really, really tough where really bad people want to do really bad sh- to you all the time. And hard men and women stand in the way of that. That's the conservative movement. The liberals can dance all they want with their media and social media attacks and their hot cocoa in mommy's basements and the media matters crowd and their boycotts. It's boycott. They could do that. They're not ready. They're not ready for the fight ahead. They have no idea. I told you liberals are already pushing a soft secession. Oh, we're California. We're going to ignore federal law. Are you ready for what happens when conservative states do the same thing? Are you re- are you prepared for that? You have no idea. This Ronnie thing really has me pissed off big time. By the way, in a fight back moment, I have a story today in the show notes about Ronnie. It's quick, but I also have another story in the show notes. It's a pretty good read. From American Thinker, um, a friend of mine wrote it, and the piece, Joe, is about the Southern Poverty Law Center, another soft, ruthlessly attacking, but never, they have no guts. This is not a brave organization. This is a cowardly organization. The Southern Poverty Law Center, which has nothing to do with poverty or law anymore. They attack people by labeling labeling them anti-Muslim extremists, and they produce this guide. Read this piece today. It's so good. They produce this guide for the media, Joe, a field guide to anti-Muslim extremists, which is a smear job, hatchet job on others. What does this have to do with Ronnie Jackson? The team, they should, Republicans should have marshaled their efforts around Ronnie and said, no, not today. And they didn't. And they let this good man be smeared and they let this, not all of them, but they let this good man pull his name out. They should have said, you're not pulling your name out. We're pushing you through no matter what. Because now what happens, Joe, it provides a template to do this again, over and over and over again. Well, what does that have to do with this Southern Poverty Law Center story? It's a good one. There's a guy, um, if, forgive me if I'm saying your name wrong, Majid, I've seen him on TV, Majid Nawaz. He's Muslim, but he's, uh, he describes himself as a moderate Muslim. He's been attacked, Joe, by the Southern Poverty Law Center huh. as an anti-Muslim extremist. He's like... Uh, I wish we had the, the ditto cam on here. He's got, uh, wait, what? Come again? What, he's now, not Muslim enough? He's not Muslim <laughs> enough, apparently. He is critical of violent ideology and extremism within mm. Islam. Now, that has him labeled by the Southern Poverty Law Center as an anti-Muslim extremist. You know what he did, Joe? The big double-barreled middle finger filed a lawsuit. Yeah. So now the Southern Poverty Law Center, because they don't have they don't have the cajones, they're not hard. So oh, well, we're gonna we're gonna pull that uh field guide to extremism now. And you know what Nawaz said? No, no, we're that lawsuit's going. We're suing your asses. And it's going ahead. Thank you very much. All Have right. a nice day. And he tweeted out, you mess with the wrong Muslim. Good for you, Nawaz. <laughs> right. Good for you. Spine of steel. You want to mess around? We'll sit in court all day, Daddy-O. You want to play ball? You want to dance? Let's dance. We can dance, too. You want to play lawfare? You want to sue everyone on the left? We can sue you right back. Remember, as Tom Fitton from Judicial Watch told me once, and he's right. The process is the punishment for the left. Well, what if we take that same process and punish them with it? Nawaz should sue the snot out of the Southern Poverty Law Center, sue them again and again and again. They may, You know what? They may be sitting on the millions in money, the Southern Poverty Law Center, but make them go bankrupt. It's just, I mean, this thing with Ronnie, I can't believe it. All right, I got some information based on yesterday's show, too. There's some... Listen, behind the scenes, I'm telling you right now, there's some horse trading going on, and I forgot to mention something yesterday about it, and I'm like, damn, you forgot that. That was such an important point. There's so much information. I'm really, you know, it's a tough it's tough to segregate it all. All right, before we get to that, let's get to this. This is great. We got a new sponsor. Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> this is a great company. Now, before we took them on, they said, hey, we want to send you a free sample, and I was like, really? Send it over. It's We The People holsters, custom-made holsters. They sent me over a custom Dan Bongino show holster that is possibly the coolest thing I've ever got. I'm, listen, I don't say this in a pretension, but I'm really busy. I'm not trying to be pretentious. I got a lot going on. <clears throat> Excuse me. I don't have a lot of time. I sent an email to Westwood One. I said, hey, May, 
this is the greatest gift I've ever gotten from We The People. <laughs> it's the coolest thing ever. Hey, We The People custom-made holsters. Made in the USA, folks. They design their own holsters in-house. So what does that mean? They don't use any third-party molds for their holsters. They design them in Las Vegas. They cut every mold to fit each gun perfectly. Believe me, they mean it. It is a airtight seal. This thing is great. It comes right out, by the way, when you need it to. When you need it to. They update their designs. They add new designs every month. And they stay on top of all these up-to-date new models that come out. They, design, they, they build their own molds. They have a, a 3D design team that measures every micromillimeter of the gun for the perfect fit. You're not going to believe how well your firearm fits in these holsters. I'm telling you. it is. What I got this day. I was like, this is incredible. They have, they're adjustable. They have four holes on their clip that matches up with the four holes on the holster. So you can not only adjust the camp, but you can adjust the ride on the holster as well. That has adjustable tension. Each holster will have that click sound. You'll hear it's great. So you know it's in there. It lets you know it's clicked in place. If you ever want more tension, you can just tighten one screw and you're done. They have custom present, uh, printed designs they do in-house, thin blue line, thin red line, Constitution, camo, and American flag, and more coming out each month. These are amazing. I have had more problems with holsters that you, you, you just you can't adjust them. They feel terrible. The gun slips out. These Not with these. We the people holsters. Here's the website. By the way, their holsters start at just $34. Every holster comes with a lifetime guarantee. Every holster ships free. And if it's not a perfect fit, send it back for a refund. Here's the website. Get ready. I got to say, my wife, by the way, I know Paula listens. We got to add this to our sponsor section on the website. We the people holsters.com slash Dan. We the people holsters.com slash Dan. We the people holsters.com slash Dan. Listeners of the show use promo code Dan, D A N, and get $10 off their first holster. That's $24 with free shipping. Where are you going to get a high quality, unbelievable holster like this for that price? We the people holsters.com slash Dan. Love these guys. Okay. So something happened yesterday as well. There's a, it would, I saw an article and we were so busy explaining away how Mullers found something. Now, I am not. I, it was a little bit of confusion on Twitter. And forgive me, because sometimes I have so much information I put out in a show that I almost, <laughs> sadly, I almost step on my own message. I am not in any way suggesting to you, do not be confused that Mueller is a good guy. He is not. Mueller is ruthlessly targeting Donald Trump. He is not targeting a crime. Remember, in a constitutional republic, in a blind justice system, we investigate crimes and we find people. We don't investigate people and then go find crimes. That's not how this works. That is what Mueller's doing. Mueller is not investigating a crime. He's investigating Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. There is a significant difference. I don't trust Rosenstein or Mueller one bit. This investigation should be shut down. Bob Mueller should be fired. That they have moved seamlessly from Russian collusion to obstruction of justice, both of those narratives which have now died, onto now Trump's real estate businesses and his deals and, and his lawyer says to me that this is never going to stop. As I've said repeatedly, fire Mueller. Everything that's going to happen is going to happen whether you fire Mueller or not. Oh, the media will be upset. They're upset now. The media hates Trump. They're going to impeach him. It doesn't matter. They're going to try to impeach him anyway. Matters not. Fire Mueller. But I do believe if you listen to yesterday's show, and I think I produced a good body of evidence that Mueller has found things that they can't sweep under the rug about the Democrats, Obama and the Clinton involvement in the setup of Donald Trump. Now, I got a call from my friend yesterday, my buddy, a cop friend of mine who is a he's my longest friend. I don't have a lot of friends. I work from home. (laughs) Which is kind of weird. I do. I know you find it the same way. I mean, I I, I don't leave my house a lot, right? But my buddy called yesterday. He's a smart guy, detective, been on the job almost over 20 years now. We started in the police academy together. And he didn't, is one part he didn't get. He's like, listen, Dan, this system's so corrupt that I believe even if Mueller found direct evidence that Obama and Hillary set up Trump, he's like, they're just going to make it go away. And I said, wait. I said, Brian, time out. I disagree wholeheartedly. And here's why. Maybe I didn't explain myself yesterday. Mm-hmm. You can investigate Trump without coming across the multiple times the Trump team was ex- was approached by people in a setup operation that were connected to Hillary. You can. Yeah. Now, you may say, oh, well, they can sweep that under the rug. Folks, they can't. Again, here's why. Bob Mueller is a lawyer. 
He is a lawyer working for the United States government. He is not an investigator. He has no arrest authority. He can charge people. The arrest authority lies with the federal agents. So when Bob Mueller raids the house of Paul Manafort, it's not Bob Mueller that does it, Joe. Mm-hmm. He he wasn't even there. Yeah. It's the FBI or some other federal agent, some other GS-1811. That's the federal designation for uh, an investigative federal agent. They raid the house. Now, follow me here. Do you really think after the downfall of Andy McCabe, Jim Comey, at Peter Stroke, Lisa Page, and all of the, Page wasn't an agent, but she was a lawyer. But all of these FBI employees, Joe, who are now facing severe administrative, potentially criminal liability mm-hmm. for sweeping things under the rug, leaks and otherwise. Do you really think a rank and file FBI agent who, you know, has no partisan dog in the fight at all mm-hmm. is going to raid the House of Manafort on the orders of a search warrant by Mueller's team and is going to say, hey, fellas, wink and a nod. We need to make all this anti-Obama evidence we found go away. Are you crazy? I get it. There's no trust. I, I don't blame you at all for not trusting government. I mean, that's why I'm a libertarian conservative. I don't blame you one bit. But I'm telling you, based on, you know, I can't prove anything to you conclusively. I mean, sure, corruption can happen anytime, any day. I'm just telling you, I would be astonished that any FBI agent at this point on a search warrant of anybody involved with the Trump team, Cohen, Manafort, anyone, that if they found evidence that implicated the Hillary team, that it's not going to go away, folks. It's not. Now, there are people in the Justice Department who probably like to see it go away. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think the FBI, and from what I'm hearing from a uh, friend, let's say, the management at the FBI is, at now at least, is committed to rooting out what happened. Whether, you know, whether there's still some problems up there, you know, we can debate that for another day. But I'm trying to be delicate here. They're getting sick and tired of this reputation for being a partisan organization and a partisan bulldog. On the, does that make sense? Yeah. There are people up there who are just plain old tired of it. I am sure that there is something going on on the Mueller side, and they found stuff. Why? Now, this is going to be important. It's a new piece of information I neglected to put out. On yesterday's show, I talked about this Washington Examiner article by Kelly Cohen, where at the end... She said in a, in, a, in a hearing based on Manafort's lawsuit against Mueller. Remember, Manafort was the target of a Bob Mueller search warrant. In the Manafort was Trump's campaign manager. Bob Mueller's team raided his house. Remember that? Sure did. Manafort sued and said, hey, listen, th- we need to see the search warrant, whatever. The document comes out on Monday. Because I explained a lot of that yesterday. I don't want to redo the show. But this is important. In the search warrant, we find out that they were looking for communications between Manafort, Trump's former campaign manager, and Amin and uh, Aris and Emin Agalarov. This is critical because Amis and Aaron Agalarov, the Agalarovs are the ones who started this whole thing. They were the guys that pushed the Trump team to meet with a Russian lawyer who allegedly had dirt on Hillary. Remember that, the Don Trump Jr. meeting? Mm -hmm. This is critical. Why would they be looking for emails from the Agalarovs? Maybe, maybe they were trying to find, they thought maybe Manafort had a role in this Russian collusion. In other words, maybe Mueller... I was going through this with my authors of the book last night. We We were trying to flesh out what may have went on here. I don't believe Mueller was trying to help the Trump team, obviously. I believe he thought, Joe, that the Agalarovs who said to do uh, who tried to reach out to Trump and Trump Jr., who said, Hey, meet with this Russian lawyer, she's got dirt on Hillary, right? I think they thought that there was actual Russian collusion. Are you tracking me, yeah. Joe? Mm-hmm. And that they were like, well, Manafort was probably communicating with these Russians, uh, yeah. these singers, excuse me, these, uh, these singers trying to set up this meeting. Mm-hmm. And therefore, Manafort may be involved in the collusion. Folks, I'm telling you, that's not what happened. Now, what they found there may have been disturbing enough to indicate what I believe the real story is. The real story is that these 
the Agalarovs, I think they were they were pawns in this. I don't think they knew what they were doing. In other words, their motive wasn't to set up the Trump team. I don't believe that. They were being pushed by people to set up this meeting with this Russian lawyer because people apparently knew they had an in to Trump. They knew Trump. They they had spent time with him. Trump had filmed a video for one of these singers. They knew he had a personal relationship. Yeah. They needed to dirty up Trump because they're framing him for a Russian collusion, a um, you know, a, a relationship between Trump and the Russians over Hillary's emails that never happened. So they need to get someone in there in a meeting with Don Jr. to say, look, look, this is Don Jr. trying to set up, uh, you know, a, a conspiracy to expose Hillary's emails to the public and change the outcome of the election. Mm-hmm. Somebody finds the and they're like, hey, they know the Trump team. Let's get them to set up the meeting. I think Mueller thought Manafort had a role in that. I don't think he did. Now, what makes me think that? What piece of information am I adding to this? Another article in Politico. I'm not sure if I have it in the show notes today. I'll, I'll have to check after the show. An article from Politico. Again, a left-leaning source by any stretch. The Russian lawyer that shows up to meet with Don Trump Jr., who's supposed to have all this dirt on Hillary, right? Mm-hmm. Veselnitskaya, Natalia right. Veselnitskaya. You've heard the name before. Mm-hmm. The Russian lawyer comes out and says, hey, you know, this is awfully weird, but I haven't been contacted by the special counsel investigation, the Mueller probe at all. Gee, isn't that weird? (laughs) Why would that be, folks? This meeting is the key to the whole setup. This meeting between Don Jr. and this Russian lawyer, which was set up by the Agalarovs. This meeting is the key to their whole part two of the collusion fairy tale. Part one is the DNC servers were hacked by the Russians. Part two is they stole emails that they gave to the Trump team to alter the election, to embarrass the Democrats. That makes sense? Yeah. This meeting is the key to the whole thing. Yeah. Now, in the meeting, the Russian lawyer doesn't disclose anything about Hillary's emails, right? Supposedly, the meeting is about like adoption. The Trumps get they're like, "What's this about?" And they they skedaddle out of there quick, right? Mm-hmm. The Trump kid uh, and the rest of them. Why would Mueller's team not talk to them yet? Maybe because they understand that if they talk to Veselnitskaya, the truth will come out about exactly who pushed them into this meeting. Remember. This lawyer, Veselnitskaya, already had a pre-existing relationship with Fusion GPS, who was working for Hillary. Mm-hmm. The lawyer met with Fusion GPS before the meeting with Trump Jr. and after. Which says to me that they don't want to talk to this Russian lawyer because they're afraid the truth about who pushed her into this meeting is going to come out. And it's not going to be friends of Trump. It's going to be almost this positive, conclusive evidence that they were set up the Trump team. These people were pushed into the Trump orbit to say, look who they're meeting with. This is the key to the setup. Now, I said to you when I opened the show that I believe the evidence is mounting that some horse trading is going on. Here's another reason I believe that. When I say horse trading, I mean Mueller at this point, let me take it out to 30,000 feet so I can explain this. Mueller doesn't like Trump. He's targeting Trump. Mueller, in the investigation of Trump, inevitably is coming across information which looks really, really bad for Hillary and Obama. It makes it look like they set Trump up. They sent these people in. Oh, Fusion GPS met with this lawyer who met with the Trump team who claimed to have information on Hillary? Wait, does that make sense? Hillary hires Fusion GPS who's working with a lawyer who says she has anti-Hillary information, who then shows up to meet with Don Trump Jr. with no anti-Hillary information, and then meets with Fusion GPS working for Hillary again after the meeting. This is one of those head-scratching moments where you're like, wait, come again? That makes no sense. It makes a whole lot of sense if you're trying to set up the Trump team and frame them. I believe Mueller knows this. Mueller's not a dumb guy. I don't trust Mueller. His investigation has been a horror show, but he's not stupid. I believe he knows right now the evidence is mounting that there was an abomination of justice committed in this setup of Donald Trump and an abuse of the intelligence and law enforcement operations in the United States to target Donald Trump. He knows this. He's got to keep the heat off of that side of it and on Trump. Hence this doubling down. Oh, uh, collusion, yeah. obstruction, real estate deals, Michael Cohen. I mean, next thing they'll be going after Trump's dog. You know, this is mm-hmm. what they'll do. 
Giuliani's brought in. The stroke texts are about to come out. I've heard people have already seen these. I haven't seen them yet. I've heard they are devastating. The stroke page text. We're working on the Trump special counsel and the Hillary email case. The six months of texts that were you know, supposedly missing, which I told you weren't, have come out, uh, not publicly yet, but people have seen them. And from what I'm hearing, they're devastating. All of a sudden. Devastating to who, Dan? Devastating to the FBI's efforts to say that this was a fairly conducted, good point, a fairly conducted investigation into Hillary. Mm-hmm. In other words, the investigation was slanted to get Hillary off all the time and also devastating to the fact that the Trump investigation was conducted by the book and impartially. Thank you. In other words, Hillary mm-hmm. was given a pass and Trump was framed. Supposedly, these texts are unbelievably damaging towards the FBI and the DOJ in making that case. So I'm, I'm glad you said that, right? Thanks, man. Now. Mueller understands the damage that's going to happen. I heard Andy Weissman is not going to look great either, who is uh, Mueller's bulldog. He is the number two in the special counsel. Now, I brought up a point to you last week that now ties into yesterday's argument. I got a few more things to get to today, too, folks. I'm going to just motor through this because I don't want to miss some news of the day stuff that's important. But last week I told you about a meeting in the Seychelles between a guy named Eric Prince and a Russian who was represented by some Hillary Clinton backers, Camille Dimitriev, Kirill Dimitriev. I'm sorry, I may have the first name wrong. That meeting in the Seychelles is under investigation by the Trump team. The meeting is critical because the guy, Eric Prince, who met with the Russian in the Seychelles. Now, the reason it's under investigation by the Mueller team, Joe, Mm -hmm. is because Prince knows Trump. And his sister works in the cabinet. So they're like, oh, look, this guy who knows Trump met with a Russian in the Seychelles. Collusion, collusion. It's all it's all junk, folks. It's all garbage. One of the very suspicious things about why this meeting is under investigation and why they targeted Eric Prince is Eric Prince was on a news interview with Breitbart News where he said some unbelievably nuclear explosion level stuff. He said that the Loretta Lynch Justice Department basically threatened the NYPD and put pressure on the NYPD to not release the information they had about the Anthony Weiner laptop, which had Hillary's emails on it. Mm -hmm. Basically, Eric Prince went on the radio and said the NYPD had very damaging information about Hillary. The Loretta Lynch Justice Department called and threatened them about another case to not release it, and that NYPD people knew about it, and this was going to come out, and the Department of Justice freaked out. All of a sudden, Prince becomes, conveniently, Joe, the target of a Mueller investigation because of this meeting in the Seychelles. Now, this is where it gets interesting, and this is how it ties into the horse trade. When I say the horse trade, I think Giuliani knows and Mueller knows that there are Clinton people, Joe. Let me be clear on this. This is the takeaway. All right. And Obama people that have to go down. They have to go down. There's too much evidence. The FBI's probably seen it. The DOJ's probably seen it. They can't sweep it under the rug. They're terrified of leaks. And if they prosecute only Trump people, Papadopoulos, uh, Manafort, and others, and all of these other people get a pass, there'll be a mutiny within the Justice Department somewhere or the FBI. They know it. Someone on the Clinton and Obama team, folks, is going to have to go down on this legally. They have to. I believe Giuliani and Mueller know this. Giuliani's obviously not privy to everything Mueller has. But Giuliani was probably brought in to understand what's going to happen. That some people are going to have to go down. Obama people are influencing this too. Uh Uh-huh. You say, really, Obama? You just said Mueller and Giuliani. You understand what I'm saying, Joe? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. There is likely behind the scenes some horse trade going on. All right, this is the Clinton person that's going to go down. This is the Trump person that's going to go down. The Clinton people and the Obama people cannot get a full escape. Where does the Obama person come in? Remember the show last week. Don't forget. Don't forget. The Eric Prince Seychelles meeting was set up by a guy named George Nader. Yeah. This George Nader's this international connections maker guy with a shady past, right? Yeah. Nader is cooperating with the government. 
Nader clearly has information about how this meeting between a guy who knows Trump, who claims to have really devastating information on Hillary, and this Russian investor who is represented by Clinton people, Nader knows both sides because he set up the meeting. Uh Who's Nader's lawyer? Nader's lawyer was Obama's lawyer in the White House, Catherine Rumler. Yeah. Obama people are intimately involved in this because they understand someone's got to go. Folks, listen to what I'm telling you. Somebody's got to go down. They are not. I'm not saying this is fair. They should all go down. Don't mistake this for me putting my imprimatur on. Oh, it's good. Maybe they'll they'll be a sacrificial legal lamb. That's not what I'm saying to you. That's not fair. I'm saying to you what's what I think is going to happen, not what should. And I understand if you're upset, you should be. I am too. I'm telling you though, the Clinton and Obama people, there is no way they escape this with all with their skin. Someone's gonna get a rub knee. Somebody. Someone's gonna go have to go down on this. And they are going to pick off people who either they can't stand or they think won't flip on other people in the Obama administration. That's how it's going to go down. Because Mueller needs to protect the swamp no matter what. And Giuliani, I think, understands at this point that Mueller will keep going and keep going and keep going until somehow there's some kind of a horse trade going on. Because remember, for all the nonsense against Trump, he's still the president of the United States and he's still in charge of the Justice Department. He can demand investigations all day. And so can Sessions. Sessions has prosecutorial discretion to do basically whatever within the bounds of his job description he can do. At some point, there's going to be a horse trade going on. They're going to say, all right, you give us two jacks, we'll give you one queen. You give us uh, two queens, we'll give you a king. The the lady representing the guy who set up this Seychelles thing is Obama's lawyer. Who, by the way, knows Andy Weissman very well. Why? Why? She worked on the Enron task force with Andy Weissman. Andy Weissman is pretty much running the special counsel for Bob Mueller. I think it's clear as day here that they're all the players are now at the table. You've got Giuliani and the Trump team. You've got Mueller and the witch hunt team. (laughs) You've got Obama's team represented de facto by Rumler, who's representing Nader. There is a trade going on. Two queens, four jacks, one king. I have zero doubt. Now, you may say, well, what pressure is being brought on them? I don't know if I mentioned this yesterday, but I'll mention it again today just because it's important. There are people in the FBI, folks, clearly cooperating. These people are not going to be impeachable in court because they were there. I said to you yesterday, Bill Prystep, the number two in the FBI, who was intimately involved in this. In the, in the, when I say this, I mean the investigation into Hillary and the investigation into Trump. He's the number two counterintel guy, uh, the number one counterintel guy. He's underneath Andy McCabe, who's the deputy director. Bill Prystep, who Jim Comey cites in that congressional testimony, Joe, we've played here a thousand times, mm-hmm. to Representative Elise Stefanik. Yes, yes. Comey's up on the hill. They ask him why he hasn't told Congress about their investigation into Trump. He's supposed to brief them quarterly. He briefed them eight months later. Uh, That's not quarterly. Quarterly. One, two, three. Yeah, it's three months. So Comey hides it, doesn't brief Congress. And when asked about it up on the hill, he says, well, I was told by, he doesn't name Price Step directly, but he's talking about him. Price Step is screwed. Mm-hmm. I'm convinced Price Step is cooperating. i He's cooperating. He, this guy is a high-ranking FBI senior official. I have no doubt he's cooperating because he still has his job. I have no doubt Stroke's cooperating. I have no doubt Lisa Page is cooperating. They understand behind the scenes what happened with the dossier, with the lack of verification on the dossier, with behind-the-scenes conversations about the targeting of Mike Flynn. They get all of this. There is no way the Obama team gets out of this without a few skin knees. No way. It's not going to happen. 
All right, I got a lot of cool stories. I've been, I have to keep, uh, uh, you know, delaying them day by day because there's so much that keeps breaking on this. And if these texts break, uh, we'll consider a special episode um, because I'm waiting for them. Is you know, like you are, folks. You bet. Pulling out less. You this, bet. This is the read I can do from. Uh, I don't even need a. <laughs> I don't even need a cue for this one. iTarget. Hey. You tried iTarget yet? <laughs> I love this company. If you haven't, you're making a big mistake. If you own a firearm, you're looking at owning a firearm, you're a first-time firearm owner, you're not really confident in your skills yet, if you're a police officer, law enforcement anywhere, military, you are confident in your skills, don't you want to be more confident? Listen, if you can bench 300, you can bench 301. If you can shoot the wings off a firefly, you can shoot the wings off a gnat. This iTarget system is the best way I've seen to take your firearms proficiency to the next level. God forbid you're involved in a self-defense scenario, or if you're a police officer, you're involved in a use of force scenario, you're in the military, or you're a first-time firearm owner, you're not too confident in your skills and your marksmanship, this is the way to safely take your skills to the next level. Here's the websites, itargetpro.com, itargetpro.com. What is it? What is itargetpro? Well, when you're in law enforcement, we do this thing called dry firing a lot. You safely unload a weapon. Check it. Check it twice. Check it three times. Check it 20 times if you have to to make sure that darn weapon's unloaded. You can't make a mistake there, right? What you do on a safely unloaded weapon in a dry fire exercise is you is you pull the trigger slowly. You practice your trigger pull on a safely unloaded weapon. You learn to line up your sights, equal light on both sides, level across the top. You get that trigger pull slow, deliberate. You make sure you don't jerk that trigger so you're not pulling to the right or the left. You dry fire. I used to put a dime on the end of the firearm to make sure that I didn't, uh, you know, anticipate the recoil because sometimes you get that into your muscle memory, right? Now, take your dry fire practice to the next level with iTarget Pro. It will send you a laser round. Drop it in the firearm you have now. You don't have to make any manipulations to the firearm whatsoever. They will send you a laser target as well. The, when you depress the trigger on this laser round, it'll emit a laser. Now you can see where the bullet would have gone. You can't see that with a dry fire exercise. You have no idea. I've got people sending me their scores on a Monday, sending me their scores on a Friday. Monday, they're shooting all over the place, Joe. They got a big basketball on a target. By Friday, they're shooting golf balls. It's amazing. Check it out. iTargetPro.com. The letter I, TargetPro.com. Promo code DAN, D-A-N, for 10% off. Okay. Um, I, I have a story up at the show notes today from, is it Reason? It's really, really good. Someone sent it to me, so hat tip to the listeners out there. I always get good stuff uh, from you guys and ladies. About the war on cash. I have been concerned about this for a long time. I've yeah. told you this is a big deal. Uh, I worry about it. You should worry about it, too. It's not a small problem. There is an international kind of globalist push out there to eliminate cash as a means of being able to transact your you know your, your, your value propositions with other people globalists hate cash because they can't track it mm -hmm. you, you know you go to the, the whatever the snow cone machine and you you pay five dollars for a snow cone the government has really no idea what you did with that money i mean unless they want to pull the videotape of you at the snow cone machine it's really hard to figure out now when you do that with a debit card or with a credit card there is a financial electronic record created of that transaction which newsflash folks for those of you who don't know me having been a federal agent you can subpoena that and get your mitts on that i can find out where you spent your money and most cases what you spent it on mhm mm there's a war on cash going on because big government liberals and global elitists love the idea of being able to track you everywhere just google china social credit score where they're giving people a score for how socially valuable you are to the Chinese government. I'm not making this up. They're tracking people on surveillance cameras in China. And it, you know, like you have a credit score? In yeah. China, they give you a social credit score. And if you're deemed socially untrustworthy, there are people who've been banned from flying. And Joe, this is not for crimes. Uh -huh. This is for things like smoking in a non-smoking <laughs> zone, for your driving behavior. I'm, uh, folks, <laughs> Google it if you think I'm messing with you. China social credit score. Now, we're not China yet. If the Democrat, we will be if the Democrats continue their uh, anti civil liberties push against the First Amendment, Second Amendment, and Fourth Amendment, but we're not there yet, thank God. But the war on cash should trouble you. Now, a couple of takeaways on this, and the article is really great. It'll be in the show notes today at Bongino.com. As always, if you subscribe to my email list, I'll email them to you. Point number one. Credit card companies love this, Joe. They think it's the greatest thing ever. So, mm -hmm, sure. you know, I'm not alleging some international conspiracy on the part of credit card companies. It's really a business decision. It's not the credit card companies that want to spy on you for them. 
I mean, it, it, listen, it, they don't care that the government does. For them, it's strictly business. Mm-hmm. If they can charge you interest based on a bunch of transactions, you would have made in cash. Yeah, baby. Yeah. You got it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're all about it. They're, I mean, why not, right? So credit card companies love this, and some of them are obviously attached to banks. They are very powerful and very powerful lobbyists. Now, number two, there's been a propaganda operation out there to get the American public and the you know the global elites to get the get Americans and other people around the globe on the side of this anti-cash battle. And one of the reasons they give Joe, this is interesting. They say, well, a third of cash transactions are used for crime and tax evasion. All right. Well, you know, I don't know. A third of uh, knife purchases may be used in a crime. What are you going to ban? I mean, that's so let me get this straight. We're supposed to forfeit our, our, our liberty, our economic liberty and our freedom to remain anonymous in our in our transactions because some knuckleheads decide to what? Avoid their taxes and then use cash for illegal transactions. This is the argument used by the left all the time. The argument by the left is you're supposed to pay the price, whether it's for firearms, use of cash, whatever, for a couple of knuckleheads who decide to do something malicious when they get a hold of the same item. Didn't Obama make a big cash payment to Iran? Great point. That's a ding, ding, ding. That is Joe's greatest point. I'm going to put an asterisk, Nick, to this show. I I did not even think of that one. Yes, $150 billion. And folks, cash, real cash. There's a real cash, (laughs) not counterfeit, not, not electronic transactions. There was an actual cash payment. Why? Because the Obama administration didn't want to be monitored either. And neither did the Iranians, right? who didn't want any electronic transaction of it. They got cash. That's a great point, Joe. So uh, if that's their excuse, right? Now, folks, here's the downside to this. Outside of the China social credit score, obvi- a lot of the first one's obvious. So the first point is the credit card companies love it. Second point, you know, hey, listen, a third of this is used for crime. Uh, it's irrelevant. That has nothing to do with the argument. Here's the takeaway, and this is why this is so dangerous. First takeaway, again, is an obvious one. You're going to lose your privacy forever. If we live in a cashless society, there's absolutely no way you're going to be able to make a purchase anonymously. There's not going to be cash available. What are you going to do? Trade in diamonds? Refrigerators? (laughs) Uh, Platinum? I mean, what are you going to do? Now, there are cryptos around, and I'm sure, but again, they can ban cryptos too. There'll be a black market. I'm not suggesting black markets wouldn't exist. They always do, Joe. I'm simply suggesting to you that the government, the the legislated form of currency will be electronic. It'll be very difficult for any business person to hide any kind of transaction. And I'm not talking about illegal. I just mean sometimes you want to buy stuff you don't want the government knowing. Sure. Ah, that goes to point number two. Why do liberals love this? Okay, because remember, liberals are the anti-civil liberties party now. One, they love it because there'll be no tax evasion. They can just automatically, electronically deduct money from your account to get your taxes. What if you bought a gun electronically? Oh, yeah. That's, oh. I, I don't know if you can see this. Gun purchases. That's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. Now, I'm going to make an argument for liberals here, too. Because this show, we're trying to be fair, unlike anti-civil liberties liberals. And we're trying to be fair here. On the conservative side. How would you like it if New York State, California, Illinois, Washington, and other liberal states out there said, "Uh, you know what? We're going to ban gun purchases in our state. We're not going to ban guns because we don't want to get in a a problem with the Second Amendment, but we're going to ban gun purchases in our state. Here's what we're going to do, Joe. Mm -hmm. We're not going to do business with banks that allow these purchases. They're going to say, hey, it's not anti-Second Amendment. You can buy a gun. Mm -hmm. You just can't buy it uh, (laughs) using these bank cards. And by the way, we're not going to do business with any of those banks in the state. Those banks aren't going to lose those government contracts. Mm -mm. They'll say, okay, by the way, just like Bank of America and some others did in their anti-Second Amendment appeal, they're going to say, all right, you know what? No more gun purchases. What are you going to do? There's no cash. They would shut down the entire a big all right self-defense industry, you would be nothing but a sheep. It's a good point. Gun Mm. purchases, number one. But let me ask you something for liberals. I'm not advocating this at all. I'm just trying to suggest for you liberals out there who love illegal immigration, you know who you are. Don't don't fake it. You love it. You love illegal immigration. You love borderless societies. You think we should let the entire world in the United States. How are you going to pay them? How's that going to work out for you? 
You know, I thought of this last night. We can make arguments all day about why they would attack conservatives with a cashless society. And make no mistake, your point is valid, though they will. Mm. Guns, everything. They'll be monitoring your food purchases mm-hmm. next. You won't be able to get insurance if you eat too many Hershey bars. But let me ask you something. For all you people out there who think it's compassionate to let uh, illegals in the country, what if there was a conservative president who said, we're not going to allow... Remember, it's a cashless society, folks. There's no cash. What are you going to do? Barter, uh, you know, barter vegetables in your backyard for services? How are you going to pay illegals? What if conservatives said, you know what? Unless you can produce a valid tax identification number, uh, an EIN or a social security number, there will be no payments allowed to anyone in the country illegally. How are you going to handle that? Now, all of a sudden, some libs are probably listening to Joe going, oh, well, that doesn't sound like a good idea. You see how big government can kind of boomerang on you like it's boomerang on the Mueller investigation right now? How the IG investigation into Hillary, oh, they attacked Hillary. The Democrats demanded an IG investigation. That's now boomeranging into a a big government abuses of power that benefited Hillary. All of this stuff comes back. This is what liberals don't get. This is what you don't understand. The abuse of big government incentivizes big government to attack anyone and everyone. You will not be left unharmed from this. Because I'm not suggesting that's right to do, by the way, if Republicans took over. I'm just suggesting to you that sooner or later that power is available to Republicans, too. Big trouble. All right, how are we doing? I got what the story I missed yesterday. I have to get to. All right, good. We get some time here. The DACA thing. So we are living in a state of, and hat tip to ingram last night on her show for talking about this uh we are living in a state of judicial tyranny right now um there are no three branches of government anymore there is the uh, judiciary and everything else judges have just decided to legislate to become enforcers of the law to become politicians uh to become advocates to become ideologues uh they are no longer ruling on the four corners of legislation they are ruling on everything they are ruling on uh, competing ideologies it is disturbing what happened yesterday and i want to explain to you the overall about why we're in a lot of trouble here and why the it should be an imperative to you to hold the senate and get trump reelected here's what happened daca you know what daca is mm-hmm. uh the uh, amnesty for childhood arrivals. Mm-hmm. It's deferred action, but I call it deferred, deferred. amnesty. <laughs> deferred amnesty for childhood arrivals. Yeah. <laughs> that's not actually the name. It's deferred action, but I I, I prefer that because that's accurate. That's what it was. There was legislation in Congress, the Dream Act, to give amnesty to these kids who were brought here by their parents illegally. Clear on that? Mm-hmm. The American public had no appetite for it. Why? Because it didn't pass. So Obama said, remember the famous pen and the phone speech, Joe? Oh, yeah. He said, I got a pen and a phone. I'm just going to, in conjunction with Janet Napolitano and the Department of Homeland Security, we're just going to do DACA ourselves. Um, Not how the legislative process works, Mr. President. You don't write the bills. You can sign them. You can enforce them. But you damn well don't write them. Well, Obama, of course, who didn't care at all. I mean, the Democrats don't care about, uh, you know, t- the judicial or executive tyranny at all. They only, you know, care about power when it's theirs. So now they think Trump's a tyrant. Ironically, he's trying to deconstruct the power Obama usurped himself. But don't let that get in the way of your dopey arguments. So Obama took his pen and his phone and basically enacted the Dream Act through DACA himself. Um, no precedent for this in American history that I know of. None. Entirely unconstitutional, um, without question. Obama himself said he couldn't do it and then did it anyway. What's fascinating is that Trump unwinds this thing and says, no more DACA, I'm going to give you six months to fix it. And there was a March 5th deadline. A judge, a Republican appointed judge, this is why we're in a world of trouble right now. A Republican appointed judge says, no, Trump, you can't do that. So I have in big notes here. Let me get this straight. Barack Obama can usurp a power he doesn't have to write a bill because that's what he did. That is not his power. That is the Congress and the Senate that do that, not the executive branch. Obama writes a bill. That's what he did. He can call it whatever he wants, a memo, an agreement. 
He takes his pen and his phone and creates out of thin air a law he has no constitutional power to do. Trump says, no, that's not the right way to do it. Congress is going to figure this out. And a judge, a Republican appointed judge, by the way, Joe, says, no, no, Trump can't stop it. DACA is going to continue. We need clarification. So I have in big notes here in capital letters. What is the judge saying? Who can stop it then? So what you're suggesting is what? When a liberal Democratic president unconstitutionally writes and creates law out of thin air that nobody can stop it ever? Do you understand the end point of this? If Trump, the executive, cannot stop what a prior executive did, then who can? I mean, this is a recipe for tyrannical behavior. Democrats in office do what you want. When the Republican gets in the exact same office and unwinds it, you can't unwind it. This is insane. Now, I thought about this this morning because, you know, a lot of people are commenting on this and I like mm-hmm. to give you angles you haven't heard before. I thought about this this morning and I, I, I love our Constitution, Joe, but one of the flaws built in is us as human beings. The original, the founders, if you read the Federalist Papers and you understand the, the, the thinking and the, the rationale behind uh, the elements of the Constitution, you'll see clearly what they had in mind, Joe, was obviously a system of checks and balances. That's not yes. new. Right. In other words, three branches of government which would check and balance one another. Powers were separated vertically and horizontally. Those powers that were separated, the idea behind the the framers of the Constitution, Joe, which was probably logical at the time, Mm -hmm. was that each branch would almost jealously and vigorously guard its own power. In other words, the presidency wouldn't let the courts usurp its powers. The courts wouldn't let the legislative branch usurp its powers. The legislative branch wouldn't let the courts usurp its powers. They would guard their power because... They, the framers, rightfully so, coming from a tyrannical situation um, in England, thought power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. So people hoard power. Mm-hmm. So if the legislative branch has a power, it's going to hoard it jealously. In other words, the legislative branch, the Congress, the power of the purse, the power to spend money resides in Congress. Does it? You sure? The framers thought they will jealously guard that. The power to legislate. That's ours. The framers thought the legislators would say, you know, power, that's our power. Nobody will do this but us. Now, how does this explain judicial tyranny? Folks, think about it. What's the one branch of government that has almost zero political accountability at all? The courts. Yeah. How does this explain the aggregation of un constitutional power in the courts in other words i'm telling you what the courts did yesterday on daca ruling the president can't stop what obama did that that is it's made up it's a fabricated power how did this happen and it keeps happening all the time it's obvious how it happened the legislative branch joe is not jealously guarding its power Mm -hmm. it's forfeiting its power to the courts why are they doing this joe let me explain to you okay The legislative branch is foregoing the power of the purse, the power to enact immigration legislation. Remember, they gave it to Obama. Obama wrote DACA. He basically wrote a bill. He has no power to do that. Why didn't the legislative branch stop him? The founders thought that's what they were going to guard that power, Joe. Because they're cowards. They're accountable to the public. And a lot of these people understood that the DREAM Act, giving people amnesty in the country illegally, was horrendously unpopular. But they are such ferocious ideologues, open borders maniacs, that they wanted to get this done. So instead of jealously guarding their power, they said, Joe, they scratched their beards and they went, how do we get illegals and just like that, illegals in the country to vote for us? but not have to suffer the wrath of voters if we enact the DREAM Act. I got an idea. Let's let Obama do it. He can take the heat and we'll say nothing about it. And by the way, let's let the courts rule on it too. The courts have no political accountability at all. This judge isn't going to be voted out of anything. He can just enact penumbras from the bench. It doesn't make it. He can fabricate new legislative powers. This was the, the this this was the monkey wrench in the machinery of our constitution. 
I don't think they ever understood how cowardly and gutless, because remember, they were the revolutionary generation. They actually had some nerve. Mm-hmm. I don't think the founders and the framers understood how gutless the people in the legislative branch would become later on. Oh, hell no. They have forfeited away through TPP, the Iran deal, their treaty authority. They have forfeited away their power of the purse. Remember Obama? I'm going to veto this if you guys don't do this and spend more money. Okay. They have forfeited away their ability to write laws to Obama. They don't care because they're cowards. They never, ever anticipated the grotesque cowardice of a a branch of the of the government known as the legislative branch. That's what's happening. And you may say, well, what, what, well, what do you expect the legislative branch to do against the courts? The circuit courts are a creation of the Congress. They're not in the Constitution. Do something about it. Put a perimeter around their fence. It's ridiculous what's happening out there. All right, folks, thanks again for tuning in. That was a busy show today, a lot going on, but I had to get to some of that news of the week. I really appreciate it. Please go to the website, Bongino.com, and subscribe to our email list. And if you don't mind, um, I really appreciate it if you subscribe to the show. It helps us a lot. We're getting a ton of downloads, but the subscriptions, whether on iTunes, iHeartRadio, <laughs> or SoundCloud, really, really help us. They, we move up the rankings pretty quick when you do that. So uh, thank you very much. I'll see you all tomorrow. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Get more of Dan online anytime at conservativereview.com. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.